The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, good Monday, everybody. Welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. And because you guys are lucky, by the way, you guys are lucky because I have so many damn things going on. It's part of why the show's coming a tiny bit later today than usual. I have so many things coming on that we are going to go promo free today. Other than me telling you guys how you can win money. That's the only one I'm going to insert. And then everything else is going to be like lightning round. Just just a quick list on things. Because uh, we just we're too damn busy, and we'll we'll get into more promo on tomorrow's stuff. But it's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. There's a whole weekend of things to recap. We have news coming out of our ears so far today, on Monday morning, and I don't want to have to skip any of that. Uh, and I also don't want like a 75 minute podcast because I, I I know you guys are very loyal, but I feel like that might be asking a bit too much on a Monday. While you're trying to get your, your days sorted out. First of all, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You can follow Hoopball's news feed on Twitter at Hoopball Fantasy. I think a lot of you guys have done that because I've seen their uh, follower base jump by like 30 or 40 in the last since the last show. And we kind of did a little bit of a push on that front. So please do follow that. Follow me. You guys know the drill at this point. Reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We go backwards through the weekend, starting on Sunday, and then just cover each team's most recent ball game. get ourselves reset for the day. Before we even do that, though, Monday morning has been ripe with weird trade deadline news because the trade deadline's three days away. It snuck up on me. I'm betting it snuck up on you guys, too, because this season is just so different and weird. But we will have our trade deadline live show here at Hoopball, as we always do. Uh, it will mostly take the place of Fantasy NBA Today. We'll probably carve out a chunk of that show, kind of like the recap breakdown portion. That will be released later in the day as that day's episode of Fantasy NBA Today. But if you guys actually want live trade deadline fantasy-themed coverage, we'll be doing that through our YouTube page. That is youtube.com slash hoopball. And I will remind you about that many times tomorrow Wednesday, uh, and uh, yeah, that'll be it, because Thursday we'll be doing the show. In terms of rumors floating around so far today, let's just blitz through them, because, you know, rumors, there's the whole smoke and fire thing, but I don't know how much of this stuff is actually going to shake out. Uh, The Raptors are entertaining offers for Kyle Lowry. Remember, early this season, actually before this season, the offseason, I was like, look, uh, the reason I like a bunch of Raptors is because I think they might trade Kyle Lowry. And then... The East seemingly got, didn't really get a whole lot better before the James Harden trade. And so, you know, leading up to the season, I was like, all right, this team's probably just going to hold on to him. But the Raptors have been bad. Uh, Okay, maybe bad's not fair, but they haven't been good. And then they lost half of their team to COVID, so they have been bad lately. And so now they're probably looking at things like, look, we're not going to win a championship this year. This is sort of the window. If we can get something, maybe this is the time. And apparently the Miami Heat... And the Philadelphia 76ers have both been in the mix for that one. The only reason this jumps out as something fairly interesting is that 
if he goes to a contender, I don't, yeah, I don't think his role changes all that much because he's mostly facilitator. He'd probably take a hit in either one of those two places because, you know, the Raptors play fast and he's been their guy for a decade, basically. Um, but you're not going to do anything different and you're probably not dropping specific guys on those teams unless he takes their place. So that'll be a pretty obvious one if it happens. The Hawks apparently have expressed interest in the Celtics' Marcus Smart, but I cannot imagine that's a thing that would happen. Smart is the heart and soul of that team. The Warriors have shown interest in Bogdan Bogdanovich. The, the Hawks signing him was always a screwball thing. He actually makes a lot of sense on the Warriors because he would be more of a placeholder for Klay Thompson than Kelly Oubre's been. I have no idea who'd go back the other way, but if he ends up on the Warriors and Oubre's gone and Bogdan is a starting shooting guard for a team like Golden State where the center is doing most of the ball moving, he actually would probably move into fantasy value, but I'm not sitting on him. I don't think that this is something that's about to take place, and you know the Warriors are exploring a lot of shooting guard options. Victor Oladipo on the block. We knew that one. A bunch of other teams now are in the mix. We've heard Warriors. We've heard Heat. You can add the Knicks. Apparently the Pistons. That doesn't even make sense to me. The Celtics are exploring offers uh, or exploring ways to try to get Evan Fournier, which that's intriguing, but uh, he would take a massive hit if he went to Boston because he'd be behind all-stars on the wings, basically, unless Marcus Smart got moved out, but that wouldn't be good for Fournier. And it would leave, you know, more open... Well, we knew you know, the entire Magic team is basically on the block. Rashawn Holmes is on the block. We've heard that one. The Raptors, the Hornets apparently have expressed interest. He would have wonderful opportunity in either one of those places, more in Charlotte than in Toronto, to be sure. But this is one of those reasons that Hassan Whiteside is back on the map because Rashawn Holmes should be an amazing trade chip. And you can kind of build a team around that guy a little bit, which is a reason for Sacramento to retain him and try to re-sign him. But they don't know if he's going to re-sign there. They don't know. So why take that shot when you can actually get something legitimately good for him now? I would have thought Rashawn Holmes would have been the first name mentioned, but he almost feels like an afterthought here. Uh, you're holding on to him no matter what, but this is a reason to, if you have a spot, I think, maybe put us on wide side at the end of your bench because there really isn't Another viable option with Marvin Bagley out for a month. Uh, Kyrie Irving is out for three days or three games, excuse me, attending to family matters. So hopefully that's all that will take. The Hawks apparently are less likely to trade John Collins now. I guess they're playing better, so everybody's a little bit happier. DeAndre Hunter is playing tonight for Atlanta. I'm guessing probably about 15 minutes, but still that's a big step He'll be back into startable territory, I would guess, within about three games. As young guys, they heal pretty quick, but I would not start him tonight. The Kings trying to trade Marvin Bagley, but nobody wants him. Giannis is out with a knee sprain. Uh, Al Horford is resting again. Shea is back for the Thunder. So if Horford out, by the way, you can trot out Isaiah Roby uh, and Moses Brown again. Aaron Gordon... Wants to join a contender. He doesn't want to go a rebuild, but I don't know how he can... I know he has the the contract to say no. And I get, you know, if, if you're him, you're like, all right, well, what's the point? Like, I can either roll it out here in Orlando where I've set up shop or I can go to another bad team. Yeah, I understand where he's coming from there. Uh, but, and also, like, he's unbelievably athletic, but Aaron Gordon, from a reality basketball standpoint, isn't making contenders that much better. 
the teams that are going to want him are teams that are going to want to build around him, like a Minnesota Timberwolves, but apparently that type of team is out. John Wall is playing. Victor Oladipo's out. Kevin Porter's questionable. Lou Dort is out. Terrence Ross is questionable. Did I already say that one? No. Uh, I said uh, Kevin Porter was questionable. Uh, and Derek Rose apparently is about ready to play finally. He said that he, quote, had all the symptoms. Uh, Stefan Bondi of the uh, New York Daily News noting, is it Stefan? I think it's Stefan Bondi, uh, that he had it and he had it bad. So Derek Rose is back. This is actually, all right, so let's start the show by talking about Derek Rose because um, he hasn't played since February 28th, so he's been out for three weeks. It's going to take some time for him to get his sea legs back underneath him. But at the moment, there's not a ton of competition for him in that backcourt. Emmanuel Quickly's back. Alfred Payton still isn't. Rose was moving into more playing time at right before he got COVID, which, you know, that stinks. But uh, tonight's going to actually go a long way for me in determining whether or not I want to do anything with him. Uh, he's not. They're not playing tonight. Excuse me. They're, they're playing tomorrow. Uh, I don't think he plays a ton of minutes tomorrow. I don't know when he gets back to a full complement of minutes, but he played 27, 28, 38, 32 his last four games. One of those was with Peyton healthy. The other three were with him out, and Rose was awesome in the three games where Peyton was not on the floor. So you could make a very real argument that Derrick Rose should be picked up to see how things go here and, and understanding that there's going to be a process. There's going to be a learning curve to it, to him figuring out what his his body can handle here as he works his way back. And, you know, you're, if you're picking up Derrick Rose, you're doing it with the understanding that you're not going to get a ton of three-pointers. Uh, you're going to be hunting free throw percent as one of the upside spots. Steals have been up this year. I don't know if that's something that could actually hold if maybe the way he's playing is different in any way. And hopefully field goal percent could hold, but that was actually a bit down this year as well. Uh, but I am adding him, and I'm and as I'm doing the podcast, I'm like I'm putting these guys on tabs. I'm opening tabs and I'm shuffling them off to the side here so that we can go back and and circle around them later. Okay, reverse chronological lightning round. We're ten minutes in, and that was just the damn news of the day. Unbelievable. And we're trying to move, you know, like I said, we're, we're trying to move a little bit fast. Um, let's start on Sunday. Indiana completed a weekend sweep of the Miami Heat with an overtime win. Justin Holiday continues to be solid. Miles Turner was good. Demonis Sabonis had kind of a tough one shooting against Bam Adebayo, but he tends to float things. But the news here is that TJ McConnell seems to have regained some kind of role on this team. He's had a couple good ball games. Was it the competition? I don't know. But 12-5-7 with a steal, that gets him back onto rosters. And so I think maybe Friday's discussion of McConnell as a, a definite drop was a tad premature. He, he had really four pretty bad games, particularly the three since Karis LeVert came back, where he was sort of a non-factor. And then he blew back onto the scene with these two games against Miami. He had a 15-assist game on Friday, and then this one that was pretty good on Sunday. So it's not entirely clear. And, you know, here's the thing. I should have stuck to my guns on this one. I'll take the hit. When Karis LeVert came back, I said, don't drop TJ McConnell. He's been so good for this team. I think they're going to have to figure out a way to get him on the floor. And then I was too impatient to wait for it. 
So anyway, if he was dropped, pick him back up. Uh, we jumped the gun on the drop there, which, and we were later than most. I had us wait a week at least. There were a lot of sites that were like, drop him, don't even think about it after one bad game. We at least waited for three bad games. Well, anyway, he's back. I didn't drop him in one or two places, and I feel fortunate that I sort of didn't get around to it there because uh, he looks good again. Nothing of note on the Miami side here. I you know, continue to express my displeasure with Duncan Robinson's season. He hasn't been awful, but he really hasn't been good. And so that's the problem. He's at 143, and he's just not moving off of that spot. Oklahoma City at Houston. This was a fun one because Al Horford sat. Shea sat. Dort played, and now it sounds like he's going to sit the other half of the back-to-back. But Horford's sitting both, both halves of it now. So he's really playing sparingly, and we're starting to see a little bit of what the Thunder are going to be doing here down this very long stretch. There's still like seven weeks left in the season, but they're they're going into stretch mode. Uh, Darius Baisley, I think when he's healthy, he will play. He's young enough to where you'll probably see him in at least one half of the back-to-back. And that probably puts a bit of a hole into Alexei Pokashevsky, who, while he does have this really interesting fantasy game, he's not really NBA-ready yet. He had a decent game yesterday, 9-9, and two steals, two threes. He can hit the three ball, but he gets pushed around a little bit. Um, Still, he's fine as long as Baisley's out because he's going to see the floor, and then you just kind of have to hope that he's not ice cold as he was in this one. Moses Brown, Isaiah Roby are the easier starts when Horford sits and Baisley's out. Those guys are the center and really the power forward, although I think they listed Pokashevsky as the power forward yesterday. Uh, But Roby can actually handle a little bit. He'll get you a couple of assists when he's on the floor. He'll get you more steals than blocks in general. But I like both of those guys as guys to have on your roster in pretty much any format. The beauty of Roto Games Cap is you can drop them in when you know Horford's out in in a head-to-head spot, and you can still leave them out there, and they'll probably get you something. Uh, It just won't be quite as good. In terms of, uh, and Pokashevsky sort of fits that same mold too. If we know that Horford's out and we know that Baisley's still out, then you can stream him and just understand that he's, you know, he's he's like seven one, weighs about a buck fifty five. So there are some issues involved. Um, on the Houston side, Victor Oladipo had a good ball game. He's trying to get himself traded, and this is a, a decent way to do so. He'll sit on the second half of the back to back. I think the more interesting notes on the Houston side, number one, Daniel House started and played 33 minutes at 18 points, eight boards, a steal, and three threes. We talked about him as a watch list guy last week. I think you add him because he appears to be, at least for the moment, kind of the fourth man in the offensive pecking order on that team behind uh, John Wall, Christian Wood, Oladipo, who's likely to be traded. And then it was House ahead of Jay Sean Tate, who actually hit two three-pointers in this game, a bit unusual. But Tate can't hit his damn free throws. And so that's upsetting to me. That bugs me. Uh, and it's I still think that Tate and House both belong on fantasy rosters, but there is that downside with Tate where, yeah, he might get you three steals in a ball game and he'll get you some boards, slasher, dunker type, uh, but he's going to probably miss a free throw or two most games because he's going to the rim. House goes to the rim a little bit less. He'll get you more three balls, fewer defensive stats. Uh, but again, you know, usage-wise, those two guys are not all that far apart from one another. Uh, they both, I think, belong on rosters, as does Kevin Porter, who's sitting behind John Wall, behind Oladipo, 
So he kind of needs at least one of those two guys to be out for him to get up to the level that we wanted. The thing about Porter, and then we'll move on to the next ball game here, but I, I thought this was an interesting game sliced out from the rest of them. The interesting thing about Kevin Porter Jr. is we always figured, and we talked about this on this podcast, I talked about it with our buddies over on the Real Big Three with uh, Jonas and Bogman, that the expectation was that he was going to be good after the trade deadline. We just sort of got this sneak preview beforehand uh, because all those guys were out. So we never thought he was going to be good in March. We always thought he was going to be good in April and May. And for people that are like, ah, damn it, he's fallen off. Yeah, I mean, he has. But this is what we were expecting right away. Work his way in, get a bigger job as the season progressed. They just dropped him into a spot where everybody else was out. Quick recap on this ballgame. Moses Brown absolutely must be on your roster. Isaiah Roby and Alexei Pokashevsky probably should be on your roster right now, but I wouldn't kill you if they weren't. On the Houston side, uh, House Tate probably should be on your roster. Kevin Porter is a guy you should be stashing. And then uh, the rest of the Rockets. Are, and, and like we talked about, K.J. Martin is the guy I didn't really trust, and he still kind of falls into that bucket. For the Pelicans, Lonzo Ball sat this one out, so to kill Alexander Walker got a start at shooting guard and capitalized. He had a lot of shots, made a lot of shots, actually. Went, uh, what, 9 for 15, 8 for 15, in the, 8 for 15 in this ballgame. Three of them, three pointers, a steal, two blocks. Here's the reason that I'm a little bit lower still on Alexander Walker than, than other analysts, and it has to do with the fact that there were basically no rebounds or assists in that ballgame. He's, he can get there, because he's a pretty good steals guy. That's the path for him. He can hit some threes. He can get you some steals. He's averaging a, a steal in only 18 minutes a game this year. So you bump him up to starters minutes, you're probably going to get you know, somewhere in between one and two, maybe by halfway in between those two. He'll get you a couple of blocks from the guard position. I don't think that's something that you can definitely count on. But, you know, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6, maybe he gets as high as 0. 0.7 in starters minutes. But I need to see something else. I need to see assists. I need to see some rebounds. And I don't think they're coming, at least not as that team is currently constructed. The Brandon Ingram, Zion basically running the offense. Zion, Steven Adams pretty much getting all of the rebounds on the floor. So that's going to cap him. That's going to severely limit the Alexander Walker upside. He doesn't take many free throws, even if he is an okay foul shooter. He's not going to shoot a great percentage from the field in general because a lot of his shots are three-pointers. So I'm not super excited about it. I know the trade deadline's only three days away. So if you really wanted to sit on him for three days, that's fine. But don't... I mean, this is more of a high-watermark kind of game in a post-Lonzo era. So don't expect this to be the norm. This is the up, and then you'll get the down, where he doesn't shoot all that well, and it's like 10 points on 4 out of 12 shooting with two threes and a couple of steals. And that's fine. That's not bad. You average that out with the big games, he'd be uh, pretty close, I think. He might hit the 12-team cut line for me. He might slide inside the top 100, but it wouldn't be by a lot. Not unless some other, some ultra-high usage guy was removed from the equation and Ingram and Zion aren't going anywhere. On the Denver side, Will Barton is still streamable. I don't know how it's happening, but it's happening. He's maybe finally healthy here, but he's he's been quite good last few weeks, and so you just keep riding that out. Orlando at Boston. Uh, only real news from this ballgame on either side was 
that Robert Williams wasn't very good. He only played 14 minutes. It was a very heavy dose of Daniel Tice. And this is a buy opportunity for the Time Lord because that's pretty much the low watermark for him. And if you can get him, throw like a top 80 guy out there and see if somebody will bite after a slow ball game. You never know. You never know. On the Magic side, you're just waiting to see who gets traded. It's going to be somebody. It's got to be somebody. Problem is their backups all stink. Nobody on that team has fantasy value besides the main four dudes. And even Aaron Gordon is questionable because his percentage has been so awful. But Gordon, Fournier, Ross, and Vooch, if any of them gets moved, they probably take some kind of a hit. Maybe not Gordon. And I don't know that anybody really jumps into more value except the remaining guys from that list that are still on the Magic after the trade deadline. On the Washington-Brooklyn game, uh, with Kyrie Irving now set to miss a couple of ball games, you might get a little Bruce Brown window, but I'm not venturing into that. Nick Claxton played 26 minutes at 16-3 and three with a steal and three blocks. Really bad foul shooter, which is going to limit the upside, but he has a really interesting field goal percent defensive stat, and he's, he's willing to take a few shots, too. He's, you know, he's rolling and he's dunky. He's not, he's not shy around the rim. Um... Yeah, I mean, you could throw him on an ad list. I'm I'm not comfortable starting him because he could get outplayed by DeAndre Jordan on one particular night, and then the whole thing comes apart. And even here in what I would go so far as to say is a pretty good ball game, didn't rebound very much, got you the defensive stats, those are great, uh, but misses the free throws, and so there's always that stuff that sort of balances it out with him. I, I like Claxton, I like there's some upside there. But if Kevin Durant ever gets back and that ever shoves uh, Jeff Green into more center minutes and if Blake Griffin ever gets more than 15 minutes, it just gets really messy in the Brooklyn front court. So I like him, but I don't trust him enough to start him. And that makes it tough for me to say, oh, yeah, you got to stick him on your bench for a while because I don't know that I would. Uh, Washington side, yeah, I mean, we're getting a decent couple of games here out of Alex Len. He's been pretty good, two of his last three, but uh, no, I'm going to pass on that. We know how fast these things evaporate. Some of it is because Davis Bertans is currently out. And, you know, with Alex Len, there's, there are issues. Let's, you know what, let's call it this. If he can do it again, then we'll talk. I need to see another like, solid ball game of big minutes. Then I'll consider it. Bradley Beal had a rare off night. If he was good, they might have won. But he wasn't, so they didn't. Toronto, not a good game in Cleveland. They shot 39%. Cavs shot 51%. There are no real surprises here, other than to say, I'm not sure Toronto's fully healthy yet. We talked about this. Pascal Siakam didn't shoot well. Freddie Van Vliet didn't shoot well. And I know that Van Vliet doesn't generally have a really good field goal percent anyway but these guys all coming back from covid there's a lag time before they start to play like themselves so if you can go get some raptors i would do it particularly van vliet uh siakam you could probably get on the real cheap these days especially after a clunker like this one hell maybe you could get chris boucher after a clunker who knows they're a buy team right now because they're i mean i don't think they're going to be great and you might have some rest days mixed in if but I don't think they're getting fully eliminated, at least until very late, if at all. Chicago beat Detroit on the road. Uh, no real surprises on the Chicago side either. Sadoransky doing his sort of quiet point guard production stuff. Thad was good again. 
and uh, the guys that moved to the bench were not. I, I'm, I'm a little worried that Kobe White might be entering drop territory even in points leagues at this point, but I'll give him a little bit longer. It's it's not looking promising these days, so uh, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on that. On the Pistons' side, Sadiq Bey had a bad shooting game. He'll be fine. He played 36 minutes, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Mason Plumley still the lead horse at center. There, there are discussions about whether or not he might get traded. I still feel like that one is kind of a long shot. They went out and they gave him a multi-year deal. Those are not easy contracts to trade to a contending team. They're not going to want to invest the next couple of years in Mason Plumley. also. The, the way that we get to an Isaiah Stewart surge here is probably more likely to be Mason Plumley getting rest days than a trade, which is possible. But that's why I'm a little hesitant on the Isaiah Stewart thing as well. Keep an eye on it. You know, we'll have our live show on Thursday where we're all frantically trying to make moves while the show is going. And uh, Delon Wright still got his 26 minutes at uh, starting point guard. He he lost a few minutes in the first half because Dennis Smith Jr. was playing pretty well before the break. Second half, it was mostly Delon Wright and nothing to worry about there for now. Philly beat New York in overtime. Real slugfest of a ball game. Shake Milton, solid streamer right now while Seth Curry is out on the New York side. Uh, Emmanuel quickly was in, but wasn't very good. Alec Burks continues to be a very nice stream lately while Rose and Peyton have been out. But with Derrick Rose coming back, does that throw a little bit of a wrench into that stuff? And Mitchell Robinson came back, played 17 minutes in his return. He was fine, not good. But uh, he will slowly retake his starting job. One thing that I thought was nice here is that Nerlens played 36 minutes of this ball game, and uh, Taj Gibson didn't play. So figure that one out. Taj looked like he was taking Nerlens minutes, and then they all came back to him. I I put Nerlens Noel on the drop list, and I'm not necessarily moving him off of that. I know he had a better ball game here with uh, 13 and 10, two steals and a block. He can hold fantasy value even as a backup center. We talked about this a lot early this season because, listen, I was in the Nerlens camp even before Mitchell Robinson got hurt, so why wouldn't I be in the Nerlens camp after Mitchell Robinson comes back? My fear is that Taj Gibson does ultimately play again and they're rotating three guys through, but it's also possible that Taj now fills more of a leadership role, maybe doesn't play all that much, maybe plays a minute two here and there, depending on foul trouble, keeping the rotations intact, things of that nature. And if that's the case, if Taj really is moving back to almost like an assistant coach type role, then, yeah, Nerland's note would probably still hold value in 19, 20 minutes of ballgame. Not that dissimilar from what he did in Oklahoma City last year. So, yeah, you can probably still punt on Nerlens, and I'm guessing a lot of people likely have. I know I dropped him in some spots, and I don't feel all that crazy about it. But, you know, he's he's been decent. You know, he's number 88 in 22 minutes. It's possible he could get around 20 minutes here after Robinson gets up to full tilt, and maybe that's good enough. Is maybe good enough for you is arguably the better question. And for me right now, it's not. There's too many interesting things flying around. Talked about a few of them on this show already. Lakers at Phoenix. Uh, First game without LeBron James for LA. We got a pretty heavy dose of Dennis Schroeder. I think you'll probably see a lot of that going forward. Same with Montrezl Harrell, who was already doing more with Anthony Davis out. 
Kyle Kuzma had 13-6-6. His fantasy game has some gaping holes in it, though. And then Taylor Horton Tucker, up to 28 and a half minutes, had 17-6-3. Did not shoot the ball well. Doesn't hit three-pointers, really, but is quite clever at getting to the rim. Generally, the field goal percent will be a little bit better. If he's on the floor long enough, I think you'll see him in that four-assist range. Uh, I kind of like THT as a little bit of a flyer grab. Probably better in points formats than category leagues. We don't really know what kind of steals and blocks numbers he would tumble into if given starters minutes. So, uh, you know, 18 minutes a game right now, he's a little under a steal, but there are plenty of games in there where he had none, and then there's like a handful where he's like, oh, three! He just exploded for one all of a sudden. I don't think he's going to be much of a defensive stat guy, maybe ever in his career, but... Uh, he can rebound a little bit. He's, he's stout, so he can clear out some space. He will get you some assists if he's doing some ball handling. And then the hope is that the field goal percent is pretty good because if it's not and he's not taking three-pointers, then ultimately that ends up hurting you. But uh, I do like him as a flyer here just to kind of see how things go in the no LeBron, no AD iteration of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, nothing on the Phoenix side. Dallas blew out Portland, just confirming a few things. Josh Richardson... He is a start these days. He's been very good for Dallas over the last couple of weeks since seemingly getting healthy. Maxi Kleba has been close. He continues to be close. That's as far as we can go with that one. CJ McCollum slowly taking his job back from Gary Trent Jr., and it's just a matter of time before that is completed. Let's turn our attention back to Saturday as we work uh, backwards through the weekend. Atlanta, uh... DeAndre Hunter, I talked about him coming back tonight, so what does that do to a sort of streaking Danilo Gallinari these days? Probably not a lot today, but over time, it is going to impact him. It's going to dent him a little bit, so just be ready when that happens. This was a ball game on Saturday, by the way. You knew the Lakers were going to trap Trey and get the ball out of his hands, so the other guys had bigger ball games. No surprise there. Warriors had a back-to-back against the Grizzlies, uh, and of course, DeAnthony Melton got yanked around like usual Grayson Allen played 32 minutes. He's kind of a steals specialist these days, which is a little bit surprising. But the Grizzlies are doing the Grizzlies thing, and every time we think we have a bead on them, the whole thing goes out the window. Still, I'm sticking with my guy, DeAnthony Melton. He's a fantasy analyst's darling. He does a ton with the minutes he's given. He just sort of he got into foul trouble early in this ballgame, and then you know there was just sort of no rhythm at that point. On the Warriors' side... Jordan Poole is an obvious stream while Steph is out. Uh, Probably, as we said before, holds value in points leagues even after Steph returns, but I don't think that he does in category leagues. Sacramento, you know, we're we're just trying to get a feel for what they're going to do going forward. Hassan Whiteside got 14 minutes. Rashawn played 30 at center in this ballgame. And so, you know, you can look at this team and think, hey, if Rashawn Holmes gets traded, Whiteside's kind of the only man standing I don't think Bielitsa is going to be logging a ton of center minutes. That that's a that's an ugly look. What if Harrison Barnes gets moved? Does that now create space for Bielitsa, or does he get traded? There's a lot that could go on in Sacramento. The guy that has the fastest path to value is Whiteside. If he's still there and Rashawn Holmes is gone, that's the sort of one to one connection. Where the rest of the guys, you know, if Buddy Heald gets traded, it's not obvious. Who exactly would get all of those minutes? Same deal with Barnes. The Holmes-Whiteside connection is is probably the one that you can 
draw a pretty straight line. Spurs lost in Milwaukee on Saturday. Giannis, uh, we already talked about sitting out this one, so that'll create a whole lot more for Dante DiVincenzo, Middleton, Holiday, etc. P.J. Tucker played 12 minutes and had three rebounds and a block. Classic P.J. Tucker line here to get things started. But, of course, that meant uh, only 15 minutes for Bobby Portis, who's likely to take a hit with all that stuff going on, and then keep an eye on Brooke Lopez, who was actually getting going a little bit. On the Spurs side, we've seen Keldon Johnson start to play better again, so he's buying himself more time on rosters. No changes really there. DeJounte Murray sat this one out, so that's why Lonnie Walker stepped in and just went lava hot for a ball game. But uh, no, you don't care about that. And there's burying the lead a little bit. Charlotte lost LaMelo Ball in their game against the Clippers. Likely for the year. Truly sad news for a young fellow that was having an incredible rookie season. The Rookie of the Year is up for grabs again, folks. Question now is what happens with this team? I think they kind of have to play a bit more Devontae Graham. I've heard some folks talking about Malik Monk, but he really stepped into his role when uh, Graham and Rozier were out, or like two guys were missing. I don't know that Malik Monk is going to get even close to enough with LaMelo out. They need facilitators to replace that, and, and Graham, for all of his terrible shooting, is a point guard, a drive-and-kick type of thing. Uh, there, There is something to pay attention to in Charlotte now for the first time in a while, though. What does this team look like with LaMelo Ball out? Is it just more for Graham and Rozier and Hayward? Or does anyone jump over the line? Do we finally get Miles Bridges? I doubt it, but you never know. With the Clippers, Marcus Morris didn't need to play very much. He had foul trouble in this game. Talked about him a bunch on Friday. He actually looks like he could step into an okay role on this team. He took nine shots in 21 minutes, talked about him getting probably close to about 12 in a full-time starters role. This was also a Nick Batum revenge game. He talked about it post-game that he really wanted to, you know, lay a beat on his old, not that Batum had a giant ball game or anything, but he was a little more focused than usual. The only thing, I mean, the, the reason to pause on the Clippers here is that Marcus Morris is sort of the first fantasy news on that Clipper side that's not entirely injury-related most of this season. He is hard-capped, though, in terms of his fantasy upside. There isn't a whole lot of it while he's not an uh, ultra-high usage dude, so don't expect a ton. Uh, but I did grab him in a point spot. I grabbed him in another league where I needed three-pointers out of my center position. And, and so at this time of year, you're looking for guys that kind of fit a particular mold or build on your fantasy team, and that's okay. All right, who played on Friday that didn't go over the weekend? Anybody? Taking cards and taking numbers here on the show. Did anybody play on Friday that didn't go over the weekend? I think the Jazz were a team that played on Friday and didn't go over the weekend, and I believe the Timberwolves were the other one. So uh, looking at Utah, not a whole lot there, other than we've seen uh, Jordan Clarkson fade here as the season's gone on. Not a massive surprise. He was playing way over his head. And Joe Ingles has stepped lead-footedly into that role. I mean, he's left a massive impression. A lot of Ingles here lately for Utah. He's a, a must-start guy these days and really has been since Conley missed that first ballgame. And on the Minnesota side, you know, we're still just waiting on injury news. Malik Beasley is about a week away. D'Angelo Russell, I think the expectation is he's about a week away as well. But until then, just keep trotting out Ricky Rubio because he's gotten quite good here over uh, not the entire stretch that Russell's been out. But really, since Russell and Beasley have each been out, they haven't had much choice but to give Rubio a lot. 
Anthony Edwards has played a little better lately, not surprisingly cooled off. I mean, that that's the deal with rookies, but he's a pretty exciting young player, and uh, I think you got to enjoy that stuff. So that is your lightning fast reverse chronological lightning round. I want to keep on trucking here and turn the page to Monday, although I lied to you guys. Mondays, I do have to remind you to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com using promo code HOOPBALL20. We want to keep that partnership going forever, and we need you guys to continue checking out their products to make it happen. Over at manscaped.com, the lawnmower 3.0 with skin-safe anti-pinch technology, also a built-in LED light to illuminate where you are sideburn trimming. They've got the Weed Whacker, that's the nose and ear hair trimmer. The Plow, by the way, if you like straight razors for a nice close shave on your face. The Shears is the nail kit. They've got replacement blades, deodorants, cleansers, toners, powders, uh, wet wipes, cologne, boxers, t-shirts, shaving mats. They got it all, man. And a travel bag. That's kind of nice. Folks have a toiletry bag out there. Uh, They also have packages you can get, and no matter what you get over there, make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your manscaped.com order today. Check them out today. Don't wait around. This is part of why we can continue to do these free pods forever in perpetuity. That is because you guys are checking out our sponsors, so please do take a moment. Manscaped.com, promo code HOOPBALL20. Tonight, as we race through this Monday card, I want to make sure we get you guys back to your thing. It's the, the show's dropping a little later, so that's why we wanted to move fast. Sacramento is at Cleveland. Not a whole lot to track there. I think unless a move goes down before this ball game, we don't really need to pay close attention to that one. Thunder at Minnesota. Thunder are always on the watch list these days, especially now that we've heard that Al Horford is likely to sit this one out. That means you can fire up your Moses Browns, your Isaiah Robies, your Alexei Pokashevskis, and hope that it pans out against Minnesota, who doesn't play a whole lot of defense. So that, I would assume, uh, is a good thing for all of our guys. We, you know, you got to play the game, I guess. But, you know, second highest total on the board? Sure, why not? Charlotte at San Antonio. Very curious how Charlotte now deals with no LaMelo ball. We haven't really seen them without him as a feature piece since the first couple weeks of the season. So that's worth paying attention to. Spurs, uh, yeah, nothing there. Toronto in Houston. The Raptors are not super interesting at the moment. The Rockets sort of are. Oladipo out. This game actually could give us a pretty good look at what the Rockets might be trying to do after the trade deadline. Now, first of all, they want to snap their losing streak. So this may not be a perfect representation in that, you know, once the once you get the bad taste out of your mouth, you'll probably see less John Wall. He'll be resting games down the stretch. We've heard about him getting his knee scoped. Do they actually wait past the end of the season or do they do it before that? Do you see as much Daniel House after... A losing streak is snapped as you're working down the stretch as he starts to take games off. I mean, he's not exactly an old player, but he's not a guy that they, I don't think they feel like they need to evaluate him the way that maybe they do a Kevin Porter Jr. or a K.J. Martin or even a Jay Sean Tate. But this is, at least right now, with Depot out and Wall in, that's the expectation for tonight, what we think the team might look like after the trade deadline, unless Houston gets someone back in an Oladipo trade that would demand large minutes, like a Tyler Hero or a Kelly Oubre, or depending on all these teams that are interested in him, someone 
coming back as opposed to just picks and expiring contracts. So that could clutter things up a little bit. Indiana at Milwaukee, no Giannis, so it's going to be a whole lot of stuff for the rest of the guys in Milwaukee. On the Indiana side, I do still want to see if the TJ McConnell thing, which what are we going to get here? Is he going to stick in whatever this role is now, or did he play better? The Heat just happened to be a matchup where they needed him more. I, you know, if you dropped him, I do think you need to add him to see how this week goes at the very least. With Utah in Chicago, Utah is sort of eh, not super interesting at the moment. Chicago also not that interesting in that last week they made their change, and now we sort of know what it is. My question with Chicago is whether or not Kobe White can actually hold points league value. I think you got to give him almost the rest of the way. Like, like you can't punt on it here after just a couple of ball games, but his minutes were way down, and that's a that's a bad sign. Uh, Chicago did beat the Pistons. I I don't know that the Bulls necessarily got a lot better or worse with their new with their you know the pieces they moved around, but they're giving it a a go and it's really negatively impacting Kobe White's points league value. Boston is in Memphis. I mean, if you know what players the Grizzlies are going to play tonight, go figure. The The line on this game freaked me out. Grizzlies are favored by two over a Boston team that I think folks feel is is sort of floundering a little bit. It's pretty weird. I'm still trotting Anthony Melton out there. You can't stop me. I know there's a uh, it's back-to-back element here. Boston playing an afternoon game yesterday, so no Kemba Walker, and then the back-to-back, so maybe this would have been a pick without that, but still, pretty weird line. Please, Memphis, please give me any kind of clarity. If you're going to make a move on Robert Williams, you probably have a couple hours to do it before this ballgame. I'm betting he has a big one tonight. And the Hawks are taking on the Clippers. Clippers favored by 6.5. You're watching Marcus Morris to see what his role looks like there. Atlanta... I, you know, DeAndre Hunter coming back, you're not going to start him in a games cap format because he's probably only playing 16 minutes. But he's getting there, and that is exciting, and that's good for the Hawks. It's not great for Gallo uh, medium term, although short term, I don't think that it's going to have a, a huge impact tonight. So you can probably still use him and, and trot him out there. I did say I was going to give you one promo on the show, and that's how you guys can continue to win money here with us at HoopBall, and that is to rate and review today in sports betting. I... I there haven't been as many of you that have done that as did the rate and reviews here on this show, and I don't know why, uh, because it's the same prize, and it's the same process, and we had a winner, and they're super happy because they won a bunch of money on our last contest, and you could do it again if you wanted to, so don't tarry, man. Open up your iTunes or your podcast app. Search for Today in Sports Betting. It's a HoopBall podcast. You'll see the HoopBall logo on the, the picture. Click on the show title. Drop a five-star and write something nice and screenshot it to me at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I promised I was keeping today's show shorter, and I did. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. Hope you guys are okay with the speed version tomorrow. We'll slow it back down again. Yeah, we'll take it back down. I'm Dan Bespris. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long, everybody. This has been a hoop ball presentation.